Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. It's uh, my first time preaching to a sea of masks, but that's okay. At least we're here, hey? And um, sorry it doesn't cover your eyes, so you can't fall asleep on me. But uh, as Robin introduced me, I'm Nate, my wife is Ashley, and we have Tyler, part of our family as well. Uh, And we got one on the way, we're 30 weeks pregnant today, so see what changes that brings, I guess. Um, But uh, this sermon actually originated um, about a month ago um, from a conversation I had with Andrew and Caroline, who aren't here today. Um, And just fellowship's one of the best parts about being in a church, isn't it? It's just this really uh, honest, vulnerable conversation with from both parties. And uh, I was sharing, sometimes I have a lot of trouble worshipping, a lot. Um, things happen during the week, things go wrong. And we sing these songs about how glorious God is and God, you're all I want, you're all I need. Uh, and my emotions and my feelings sometimes don't reflect those words. Um, and you see other people who, who look like nothing's gone wrong in their entire week. How are they worshipping like that? Uh, despite how we feel, God doesn't change, though. God is, if, we, if we're singing, God, you are love, God, you are sovereign, you are gracious, um, I find that a lot easier to sing because it's a truth that is never changing. Um, I mean, part of my job is I work in child protection and I work 16-hour shifts every second Saturday and so I come from a night shift to church and I received, yeah, I received kids who have just been removed from their parents um, and I might be the first face they see um, and then we work through their trauma-based behaviours um, to see if we can assist them functioning within society. And you don't need creativity to think about some of the stories I might have. And you think, well, if we're singing about this love of God, where is that in that? Or in your own personal lives, um, stuff goes wrong. And where is God's love in that? And I believe God is love. And we're never going to be able to get away from that. And I just want to take you guys on a journey that I've been confronted with to finding that love and how is God love in those situations because he is. So I think I've got, there we go. That's my first PowerPoint in 11 years. Love it. Thank you, Ashley. (laughs) Uh, The biggest thing about this is I believe in the truth of God's word. And this is an uncomfortable question to ask where we're facing those realities that we don't like to talk about. And we don't like to say God is love in these situations because we're faced with a tough question. The worst thing in our lives can occur, and I want to take you through this because I believe in the truth of God's love. And I want to break it down into two parts. The first part is who is God and what is love? Because God is love, it means you can't separate God and love. They're they're one one and the same. So first part is who is God? 
And I thought a major part of that is actually what Pastor Jeremy brought us last week. God is a father. So he's got this intimacy and he's got this relationship with us. Um, he's, he's a father. He's also a God and the creator of the universe. So first up, we have these two completely contradictory personality traits. Not only is he this God, creator of the universe, who brought the world into being just by his voice, he's also a father that that wants to just sit with us and be with us and, and grow an intimate relationship with us. So how do we get our heads as we are the created? Everything I know is created. This is created. This building is created. Those trees are created. I am created. How do we come to know the creator? Well, it's because he chooses to be our father and have that relationship. And I just think that's incredible. The creator wants to know me and he wants to know you. He's just infinite. He's outside of time and yet he wants to sit alongside us and be with us. Um, And he wants me to call him father. He wants you to know him as a father. And that just, I just go, God, (laughs) that's who you want to be to me. Um, When I was working full time as a builder, uh, it always felt really odd handing the keys over to a brand new building or a renovation because I knew the nails that went into that. I knew the angle of every cut of flooring um, and I knew that building in an intimate way that the owner never would. And I just think, God created us. Like he has this part of himself. You give part of yourself in creating and he gives part of himself in creating us. Um, and so, of course, he's going to want that relationship and he's also going to want what's best for us in the biggest scheme of things despite what's happening in the immediate. Um, I also love uh, visual things to understand God and I think God understands that we struggle to understand him. There's a lot of understands in that sentence but you get me. And so he allows us to have these visuals of who is God. Um, One of my favourites is Psalm 91, 3 to 6, but verse 4 says, He will cover, cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. Its faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Rampart being a high mound, you can see trouble coming in from. But just the comfort of the Creator putting his wing around you and protecting you and, and holding you and nurturing you, it's just, it's almost a maternal nature about God. But then, There's also this image of God the rock. It's all through the Old Testament, the rock. Jesus refers to it, Paul refers to it. But in Psalm 89, 26, it says, He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Like It's not saying you are the pebble of my salvation. Hold on to this. It's you are the rock. You know, try moving Uluru. You cling to it. It's unchanging. The salvation, the rescuing of humanity, you just cling to God, the rock, the strong, the bold, the secure. Um, we've got all those, those visuals. We've got the Father, the Creator, the Nurturer, and the rock. Um, but we also have a God of love inside of all of that. When I think about... 
love and what about when I'm not? What I see as love is not what I'm getting from God. Now, I know there's errors in that question, but I ask it. And it's a hard question to ask. I mean, why has my mum had cancer twice with several operations um, and procedures and treatment? Why does my job in child protection even exist? That's not a world of love I see. So I have two options. Either my definition of love is wrong or God isn't love because you can't separate God and love. So then I want to re-question what is love. Let's find out what the true definition of love is because I think the world can throw any definition at us and if we believe it, we're going to cling to that. But if we look at God and say, God, we'll let you be the creator of our definition of love. And let's, let's start with that standpoint. And there's no greater book of the Bible to go to for love than 1 John 4 verse 16. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. This is a beautiful verse. Um, But I also want to break it down because it says God is love. And as a Bible-believing Christian, I can go, okay, God is love. I'll accept that. But there's also a part of me that goes, actually, I want that to be revealed and I want that to be shown and I want that to be broken down. I don't want to just take it because it's in the Bible. But it is. (laughs) Let's, let's zoom out. Let's just not focus on one verse. Let's, let's focus on this book. It's a big book. I mean, has anybody ever been on an Easter camp as a teenager? I went on a few. Now, <laughs> got a few hands up there. You don't have to raise your hand for this one. Who had an Easter camp long relationship? <laughs> there were little weekend long relationships popping up all over Easter camp, I remember. And then they would end as quickly as Easter camp ended. Now, is that love? Well, what about, what about a marriage that lasts a lifetime? Is that love? I hope so. <laughs> it is. But what about a God who loves his people for all of eternity? Is that love? You know, I'm not talking about an Easter camp. I'm not talking about one of, my, one of our lifetimes. I'm talking about the time of humanity. Is that love? Because a person can fake how they feel. A person can fake love for a period of time. But can you fake true emotions forever? The truth comes out, doesn't it? I've tried to convince myself... I feel this way, I'll be alright, or whatever the emotion is. But it comes out. My flaws come out. I can pretend to be a good bloke as long as I like. I make mistakes. So I want to invite you guys to walk through the Old Testament with me. Because that, that verse of 1 John 4.16, I think the Old Testament shines light on the truth and the meaning of that verse. It says... We know how much God loves us. Well, do we? Do we know the Old Testament? Do we know the history of time? Do we know our history? Because we know how much God loves us because of the history. So let's start at the beginning. God created everything, man and woman. 
And then he says, there's one thing I want you not to do. You can eat from any tree, but don't eat from this one tree, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what do we, what do, we do? We ate from the tree. We did what God asked us not to do. And the significant thing about that is it says, you shall surely die. But we ate from it anyway. So what does God do for them? He hides their naked bodies because they are shameful. How does he do it? By killing an animal to create their clothes. That's the first sacrifice. So he was being honest and true by his, with his promise. Now we create the pattern. Carry on. Cain and Abel are born. What happened with Cain and Abel? Well, Cain killed Abel out of jealousy. And then we go to the flood. I'm skipping through quite as quickly as I can. Um, why does God have to send the flood? Because mankind was so corrupt. But in his mercy, he restores mankind through Noah. And he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But then what do we do after that request of God? We build a tower in our pride to make a name for ourselves. And not fill the earth. It's a direct disobedience of God. So then he disperses us, God disperses us. And he uses Abram at the time, turns into Abraham later and says, You'll be the father of many nations, you and your wife Sarai, which turns into Sarah. And then through lack of faith in God's promise, Abram has a child with Sarai's servant, Haggai. But then God says, No, I told you, I Oh, this is my promise. You and Sarah, you will have a child. This is my promise to you. And God's, despite Abram's lack of faith, God's true to his promise and follows that through. And Abraham and Sarah become fathers of many nations. I'm still in Genesis. <laughs> what, about, what about Joseph? He gets sold into slavery by his brothers. They were planning on murdering him, so that was they just um, backed off a bit and thought lifelong slavery is better. Um, but God raises him up to be second in command to the Pharaoh and uses Joseph to actually restore the, the land from a seven-year famine. And then Joseph's brothers run out of food and they come to the Egyptian kingdom and Joseph forgives them lifts them up with him, and all of Israel come to live in Egypt. And then generations later, Israel needs to leave Egypt. Who does God raise up? He raises Moses. Now, what was Moses guilty of? Premeditated murder. Do you think you can disqualify yourself from God using you in his kingdom? I mean, there was the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the 40 years of God providing manna to the people. And that's incredible. What a God we have that did all of that for his people. And then Moses goes up to get the, get the laws of God. And the people go, well, where's Moses? Where's God after 40 years and restoring us from Egypt? And they all hand in their gold and they burn it down to make a golden calf to worship in the absence I mean, we can look at this history of mankind and frown on this cycle. And the issue I have is every time something goes wrong in my life, 
doesn't take me long to actually take my focus away <laughs> from the goodness that God has already shown me. There's a pattern. God asks, we don't listen. And then God is faithful and true to his original promise. Now, love is eternal. Love is sacrificial and love is timeless. And God has fulfilled all of those parts of love time and time again. If we go back to 1 John 4, 16, we can only have honest and true love when God's love is given to us. Otherwise, it's a corny reflection of true love and a catchy top ten tune if you're successful. True love is the cross. That's where I want to lead us all to. Despite our unfaithfulness, God sent his son who died for us. The world doesn't tell us that if a wife cheats on her husband, the husband should pursue her. Yet we can be that unfaithful bride and God says, you are mine. I'm going to pursue you. You are my lost sheep and I will find you. You are mine. I love you. You're not getting out of that. So why do we worship God in tough times? It's when you come to realise what he's done for you. That that can't take away from your circumstances. Nothing can change that. It also can be challenging because placing our hope and our certainty in the love of God not there don't never mind another verse to put your hope in the love of god means you're actually putting trust in something outside of yourselves and to me that's extremely uncomfortable i want to be able to say look i would love to be in control of this scenario so that i can create the outcome and i think that's just human nature we want to control the outcome but we're saying no look I'm actually going to cling to God, the rock of my salvation, because I know that his love is doing the better thing for me. I might not see it, I might not understand it now, but God is a God of love who has a purpose, and it's better than anything I can come up with because of his glorious love for me and for you. I mean, there's times when it's just easier to control it myself and to look away and not put my hope in God's love. And I always need him to restore me, and he does every time. I also struggle with the fact that sin needs to be dealt with because then I have to acknowledge sin. But the thing is we have a holy and a perfect God. And holiness means to be set apart in perfection. So we have a perfect God. Now, who wants to worship an imperfect God? Not me. But we have a perfect God. But it means that sin would ruin his perfection. So, I mean... Let's just pretend this water is from the top of the Tasmanian mountains where there's zero air pollution. <laughs> Tasmanian? Hey. Oh, you must have 
drunk lots of good water. It's an advertiser's dream to say, look, this is perfect water. It's set apart from all other waters. You can get your scientists to test this water and it's got nothing wrong with it. Straight from the sky and the streams. Would you guys like a drink? Would anyone like to drink that water? Yeah? Let's pretend the lid's open. Anyone still want to drink this water? <laughs> what? It's perfect. It's just got one little spit of phlegm. <laughs> Something can't stay perfect if it's contaminated. doesn't matter how big the contamination is. It can't stay perfect. So what, what options does God have there? Does he... Does he sweep sin under the carpet? Does he pretend it's not there? Nah, that phlegm's still in the water. That contamination needs to be removed. So what, what, does, he, what does he do? He pours out his judgment. Sin requires death. That puts us, we're a bit stuck, aren't we? You know what? In his wrath, he remembers mercy. That's a verse somewhere. He pours out his judgment, not on us, but on his son. His son stands before us as an advocate. His son dies and kills our sin so that we don't have to. So the creator, who is perfect, doesn't ruin his perfection. He restores us through his son. So that as his son dies... Our sin dies with him, not us. And then as his son rises from death on that cross, we rise with him. God's holiness is still holy. Our perfect God is still perfect. Now, I mean, even in our four and a half years of marriage, there's been some times where it's been hard to worship. (laughs) It has. I mean, you guys have all got your own stories. I know some, some stories, I don't know all your details. I don't know what's happened in your week this week. But there's times when it's hard to worship and there's some tough questions that we all ask and I'm not going to have an answer for all of them. But what I can tell you is you have a perfect God who's died for you and even in that struggle, you have a rock to cling to. You have an ongoing salvation and nothing can change that. You know? So I can be struggling inside, I can hurt, but I can also worship a perfect God in that. You know, that that doesn't take away the joy. Robin prayed a a prayer before the service and she was talking about joy. And I thought, you know what? Joy is outside of our circumstances. You know, if you're not focusing on yourself, there is a joy set apart in who God is and what God's done. Someone can say what they like to you. You can go through whatever you want to go through. That joy is never going to be taken away because it's not yourself. It's in Christ and what he's done. I just think I love the Old Testament. I think it does reveal the New Testament in in a pretty special way that you miss without the Old Testament. And we look at Joseph, his brothers sold him. 
God, God didn't love them less, but he allowed them to live in the glory of Joseph's success. Now, who would come up with that on their own? You know, that's just logic flipped upside down as far as humanity is concerned. When Moses murdered a Hebrew, that didn't disqualify him from God using him to lead Israel, one of my favourite stories, out of Egypt. When Abram slept with his wife's slave, God still fulfilled his promise, his covenant, and blessed him with a child in his 90s. Nothing the people of the Old Testament did, like worshipping, melting their gold down and worshipping a calf while Moses was on the mountain, that didn't stop them being God's people. They're still God's chosen nation. God didn't love them less. God still sent his son to die on their unfaithful behalf, on my behalf and on your behalf. There is nobody here God doesn't love. He is love. There is nothing any of us can do to escape that. He still died for us. Something I've never been able to get over is that Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him. (laughs) Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And he said, come be one of my disciples. Now, I'm not going to try and explain that because I can't. That's just who God is. He loved him anyway, despite knowing the outcome. Just, God, who, who are you? It's just this continuous journey discovering who he is and what this outpouring of love looks like. I mean, how can you not worship this God? <laughs> I remember as a first-year apprentice, you build the wall frames and get them all up and then you go to build the roof. And my boss threw a length of timber onto the floor and said, walk along that. No worries. Easy. And then he said, now do it up there. <laughs> so you climb up the wall frames and you go... All right. And then you count, yeah? You go one, two, three. And the trick is take a deep breath. You look ahead and you walk. And sometimes you're carrying a roof truss and that sort of works. You can balance with the roof truss. Um, And once you can do that, he says, all right, now while you're walking, you should be running. (laughs) And then once you do that, he says, all right, now it's time for the second story. But... I struggled with that a lot in my first year of apprenticeship. And the issue is carpenters are like ants. If you don't do something quicker, there's another one that can do it for you. Um, But there's something in that. Having the momentum, having that one, two, three, go. We put our hope in God's love. And you just trust in him (laughs) you just go and like Peter when he tried to walk on water sometimes you get halfway along the wall frame and you quickly jump down like that because you're losing your balance you lose your momentum and Jesus pulled Peter up out of the water where's your faith he lifts us back up (laughs) like we're in it's not a win-lose situation it's a win-win you know we're in Christ and God gave us his word, so we can learn more of his love and we can learn more about him. And it's, it's just full of declarations 
of God's love to us. And I just think the, the fact that we have this book is so precious. Like, how else could we get to know God? There's the relational side, but then there's just all of this <laughs> that he's given us to come to know him. And something else gets revealed every time. And there's just no pain and there's no suffering that will ever cancel out or take away from the greatness of God's love. This is the greatest love story that has ever been written. And you're actually, you can be in it. You can be a part of it. You're in this love story. It includes you. Do you want to be in it? Do you want God's love that you can't escape, that you can't get away from? Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I, I might invite Robin up to tie off any loose ends and um, finish it off how you like. But, yeah, I'll pray. Dear Father, I just, I thank you for who you are. Um, I mean, as as just humans that were created by you, you could have been any God. You could have been like any God with any personality, but you're you. You're perfect and you're my Father. You're not just a God in the distance. You You put your wing around us. And you comfort us. And so for anyone who needs that comforting, I just, I request those feathered wings to comfort them, to be around them so they can feel nurtured by you. But you're the rock. So for anyone in the storm who's feeling like they're being pushed and swayed around, they don't even know which way is up. Life is just throwing everything at them. I ask that they find you to cling to, the rock of their salvation. And you're also a God of love. And I just ask that you pour that love out on everyone here. And continue to grow our understanding of who you are. And you are so complex. You're, you have such a diverse personality. And you just reveal that to each of us individually as the time's right. We just want to know more of you, Father, and we want more of that love to be poured out. So we thank you for your son, the ultimate pouring out of that love. Um, and we just hold that cross up and we come before it and we say thank you, Father. And in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 